Hello and welcome to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. I'm your host, Brady Josephson, and I'm recording this from my guest room with a box spring and bed in the background that you can't see, but just know I'm working from home, most likely like you. Anyways, on today's episode, I'm talking with Justin Wheeler. He's the CEO and co-founder of Fundraise, an online fundraising all-in-one platform. And we talk a little bit about online fundraising and platform, but really the conversation is around COVID-19 as he and his team at Fundraise were some of the first that I saw kind of respond in terms of facilitating conversations and having these kind of like live Q&As. So I asked Justin, what was that like to kind of spin those up? And what has he learned through that process? Uh, What are some good examples that he's seen from organizations that are doing a good job of fundraising in the climate today? Talk a little bit about virtual events, things like that. Highlight uh, a research study that he's doing. And then we do some rapid fire questions about tools and which actor or actress uh, he would like to watch their shows for the rest of his life. So stay tuned for that. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Big thanks for Justin and joining. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Hi, Justin. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. So I know a little bit of your story and background, but I haven't actually had the, the full story. And I, I think it's always interesting to find out like founders and their backgrounds and their stories and like what led you to create the thing that you created. So can you share with us a little bit more about your story and, and how you ended up creating Fundraise? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you're aware, Fundraise is a platform for nonprofit organizations uh, to manage their, their consist- uh, wow, constituents um, <laughs> and also for all their fundraising activity, online fundraising and, and offline and so forth. So it's a kind of all-in-one uh, package, if you will. Um, but what led me to where I'm at today uh, was really my 12 years of experience in the nonprofit sector. Um, so I spent 12 years starting, starting building um, nonprofit organizations raising tens of millions of dollars uh, through kind of grassroots campaigns, mm-hmm. um, starting with Invisible Children and ending at Liberty in North Korea. And, you know, our, our kind of focus was what I'd say more non-traditional in the sense that we focused on younger donors, uh, high school and college students mm-hmm. and building, um, building movements uh, around the masses to make significant change. So we, we raised a ton of money. And um, through that 12 years of experience, kind of the pain that we had with the different, different technology that we were using mm. from like year one to year 12 was really the same. Right. And so it led me to, to try to solve the problems that, that I was facing as a nonprofit professional uh, through technology. And so yeah. that's kind of what led me to, to start Fundraise. Cool. Yeah, that's one of the things I've always appreciated about you, know, you and Fundraise is that it comes out of this really deep experience of using technology for nonprofits and kind of the frustration with it. Because sometimes people will kind of, see the the dollar signs around the charitable sector and kind of want to get into it without some of that experience and knowledge. And you can kind of see how that comes through sometimes and how they build yeah. things, which isn't to say well, they can't yeah. build great things, but you know, to, to have that experience with that type of those types of organizations doing that type of fundraising uh, is cool to see that, you know, now you're building product and supporting yeah. more of that. And I like, I mean, just to kind of go off that for a second, it's what I like about just the, because definitely over the last five years, the amount of, new product that's being built 
uh, whether it's like new companies and, and so forth in the nonprofit space. It's, I mean, it's unprecedented if you look back in the last like two decades. Right. And what I like about that is it's finally creating competition. Mm-hmm. Markets thrive when there's competition. Um, they, they're forced, you know, companies like funders are forced to produce the absolute best yeah. if they want to, you know, be in business essentially. Yeah. And so I love that because uh, that wasn't the case when I was in the nonprofit sector. It was like one of two platforms, and <laughs> right. now it's 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 much more vast, and it it again causes us to have to be our best and provide the best service to our our clients. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I I had a like demo with a company I'd never heard of, uh, you know, earlier this this week, and I was like really impressed and like holy, they've got some crazy features. And like when you see that and they see what you do, then it's like oh yeah, we need to you know, keep up. Otherwise, you know, people are going to move ship. And they made the, the comparison to e-commerce, right? Of like, if, if we were doing some of these things in e-commerce, you know, five, 10 years ago, like you'd be out of business, but yeah. there wasn't that competition. So that's a really good point of how, and to see you embrace it is great instead of being like threatened by it, which is cool. Um, so kind of speaking of being agile and moving, you know, we're in the COVID worlds that we live in uh, in these times, which I hate saying in these times all the time, but we're (laughs) in these times. But, you know, you and your team were some of the first folks that I saw kind of uh, respond in terms of creating content and proactively seeking out and supporting nonprofits. And so I want to talk about some examples of success that you've seen with clients and nonprofits. But before that, what was that like, you know, internally for you and your team to kind of rally the troops and, and, pretty quickly like respond like what did you see and what was that like yeah i mean so you know initially like in the in the like super early part of of the pandemic um my concern was that organizations were going to just pause fundraising or mm. or slash fundraising right you typically see in 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 mo- in times where nonprofits are are cash flow tight it typically for whatever reason even though it makes zero sense is they cut like their revenue engine. Right. Um, and so our, our kind of goal as a company was how do we just put out content that's super valuable, that's super relevant. Uh, A lot of times really had nothing to do with our product or, you know, what we were serving. It was just, how do we be helpful to the community during this time? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really what we focus on, you know, throughout our kind of marketing effort is how do we add value? And if people find value, they'll, they'll talk with us, right? They'll ask, what do we do and ask about our product and so forth. Um, so we really just wanted to ensure that we brought together a lot of um, brilliant minds, a lot of innovators, uh, individuals, and companies that understood uh, technology and how to pivot and how mm. to go from you know uh, physical events to live virtual events. And and we just put together a roster of of, of individuals. And I think we've done now six or seven live Q and As. Mm. We do them every Wednesday at eleven, and we've got the next month, month and a half lined up as well. Cool. Um, so we just want to con- continue providing valuable content to nonprofit organizations to consume it at no cost and, and to hopefully help them, you know, keep, keep pushing forward. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the cool things. And again, you were one of the first ones to do it. And I've seen a lot of other companies do it since is, you know, less like presentation and more, you know, informal discussion, which I think makes sense because I mean, our stance has been, no one knows exactly what to do. Like we generally know cutting your revenue engine isn't, is a mistake, but in terms of like how exactly to make your way forward, like there's some educated guesses that we're making, but this is really unprecedented. So to have a discussion or foster dialogue and maybe take that approach, like we don't know everything, but let's discuss. And I think it's been really cool. And I think that will actually shape a lot of how you and we and others do marketing communications to nonprofits, less like 
we know everything. Let us tell you what to do. And a bit more like, no, let's, you know, let's open it up a little bit. I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, totally. totally. I mean, and, and, you know, that's, it's, we've had such a wide kind of variety of, of expertise on our, our live kind of Q and A episodes. And it's, it's, you've, we've seen sort of this really interesting kind of thing happen week over week where um, it's, people aren't coming to, like you said, be presented to, they're coming to actively participate in the conversation. Yeah. And it, in the, like the live Q and a portion, we, you know, we use zoom. Um, you see people also offering advice, answering questions, cool. right? So yeah. it's become this, like this community sort of resource that uh, people are super excited to offer what's working, what's not working for, for them in their organization. And I think that's invaluable uh, yeah. in times like this. So what are you seeing, you know, from your own clients or these conversations and hearing from nonprofits in terms of like things they're doing or things they're not doing or fears? Like, I obviously know that's a massive question, but, you know, maybe what are some of the trends or highlights or common threads that you see throughout these things? I mean, what was, you know, from a very high level, like one of the first things that I thought and what I watched was like our own customer base. Okay. Like what is the processing volume? It's going to for sure decrease in like March and April and, you know, indefinitely but it's at an all-time high. Hmm. Um, and, and so, and obviously it's like still too early to, to really tell what that means. But um, what I think it means and how I interpret like what I'm seeing is uh, organizations who know how to, you know, quickly pivot and leverage sort of a digital only fundraising atmosphere are really, are really getting it and are, are doing extremely well. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple examples really clever examples that I love uh, from our customer base. Uh, we have this customer um, based out of uh, Dallas uh, called Cafe Momentum. Hmm. And they, they're a restaurant for where like um, individuals who just get out of like uh, juvenile detention will come and learn how to be chefs. Oh, cool. And uh, the newest class, you know, basically came in and then COVID-19 happened and the restaurant couldn't obviously stay open to the public, but they quickly transitioned um, their mission. And instead of serving the public, what they decided to do was to serve, provide meals for um, school kids who weren't getting that lunch that they mm. were normally used to getting, uh, you know, by going to school. Mm. And so they launched a whole fundraising campaign around that. And in less than a few weeks, raised almost $200,000 wow. um, just by explaining, hey, like, this, is, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. We've got, we still have the ability to, to like make meals. And this is our new sort of like, demographic during this crisis and they leveraged the opportunity uh in in a very positive way and, and raised you know a significant amount of of funds i've also seen organization another organization called project hope alliance uh, where um they had a gala planned and so they changed it to the anti-gala mm -hmm. and essentially you participate from your from your living room you still buy tickets and every ticket that you purchase you get um, put into like a lottery to win one of four prizes and so it's actually a four-week anti-gala where every week you have to go and buy a ticket to be entered essentially. Huh. Um, and there's, you know, there's other kind of virtual things that happen throughout the week. Um, uh, but there are awesome, uh, rewards that you could win as a result mm. that were, you know, sponsors had given and, and so forth. Um, so it's like a virtual auction mm. and, uh, they've done extremely well, uh, with that. And then we had this college group, um, and they're, uh, they basically had every March is, their biggest fundraiser of the year, they raised like 90% of their revenue. Mm. And it was like a dance marathon fundraising. And, and so they had to take that online. Mm. And they, you know, it, taking it online did not affect their overall fundraising. Um, mm. So they just did like Zoom virtual dance marathons. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, there's, there's been so many examples, like the, one of the last examples I'll share that, um, I love sharing because it was, it was, a, it was representative of quick thinking. Um, so an organization, uh, called, um, dig deep, they, uh, this is just a few days after kind of like everyone basically self quarantined, um, and everyone was concerned about what was happening with the economy. It was world water day. And this is one of their biggest online fundraisers. And mm-hmm. so they tied their messaging into like, uh, so they provide, you know, clean water to this Navajo uh, uh, community here in the U.S. And they basically said, hey, if like, if this community doesn't have clean water to wash their hands, like this could become disastrous. And so mm-hmm. they tied in just the, the, the relevancy of COVID-19 to World Water Day and what it meant for their community. Uh, they set their goal to $100,000. Uh, they hit that goal in about 12 hours and they ended up raising over $200,000 wow. in 24 hours. Um, so it's, it's organizations that can think quickly that can adapt and not let the, the kind of current climate and circumstances affect um, their fundraising. I think those are the ones that are going to do really well uh, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, no, those are some great, great examples. I actually used that example because you sent it to me. I used it on a call today with, with our members as an example of, um, a, a clear through line from something that maybe people wouldn't think is being like on the front lines. Cause <clears throat> you know, we're starting to gather experiments with, with our clients and the three early ones, like one was a success, one was inconclusive and one bombed. And you know, it's only three. So take it with a grain of salt. But the one that bombed was like a real stretch to tie into COVID-19, like a, <clears throat> a real stretch. And you could kind of see it and feel it. You know, the inconclusive one, it was just not very clear. It was talking about in times like these and that's it. It didn't talk specifically about like COVID-19 and, you know, what that means, not being able yeah. to see people or whatever. And then the positive one did something similar-ish of a clear through line. It doesn't seem to be front lines, you know, medical healthcare, but was saying like, this is impacting the people we serve in this way, but you can do something about it and did a good yeah. job of that. And uh, to, so I referenced, you know, this example, because you maybe wouldn't think that you know, clean water is paramount right now in this community. But if you just pause, you're like, holy smokes, that's really important actually yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, work. I think um, it's like, it, it, and, and something I've, I've um, told a lot of nonprofit executives lately is like, even if like your issue, like not every organization, you know, is going to be able to tie like COVID-19 into it. And so I don't think you should try to, if you can't, right? right? Because that just becomes, it just comes off as like disingenuous. Yeah, totally. Uh, I love what Charity Water did. And you probably saw that as well, but where they, they did this survey where they weren't sure how their community was impacted, you know, by the, the crazy amount of people that have been unemployed since hmm. this has all gone down. And so instead of asking people for money on World Water Day, they asked people to take a, take a survey yeah. and they lined up a high net worth donor to match, I think it was $40 for every survey respondent. And that was a really clever way to keep your community engaged, to be thoughtful. And, and, and since you didn't know how they were impacted, but also to still raise money uh, for you, the important work that you're doing. So I think there's, there's so many different variables to consider. And, and hopefully organizations at this point have, you know, had that triage room type of brainstorm said, what does this mean for us the rest of the year? How do we fundraise? What does our messaging look like? Because um, that's the only way you're going to be successful for the next what is it? Seven and a half, eight months. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think what, what's interesting about that is, and beyond, like the things that are making these organizations successful now are the things that make successful online fundraising organizations before this and will yeah, make them point. successful after this. Like, I think that's what's so interesting to me. Like the through line is a lot of communications, not less communications, more personal relevant communications, not like more impersonal communications. 
and this posture even of like, how are you doing? How, how are you impacted? You know, this more empathetic kind of tone and approach instead of like, let us blast you with emails whether it's asking for a survey or there is a heightened sense of empathy that we're even seeing in the emails, a lot of the emails that we receive. And those are all ingredients that we know lead to better engagement and fundraising. So it's, again, there's, this is such a, a tragedy on so, so many levels. I don't want to diminish it and say, oh, the silver lining is, yeah, it, this is horrific on all levels, full stop. There is a, a hopefully a rebuilding or, or a catalyst to push people online, to push people into technology and, and maybe do some of these innovative things and go, do we really need to do a gala every year? Or like, what if we did this kind of email communication all year, every year? You know, I think there will be some cool things that come out of it. Um, and you just highlighted a bunch of them right there, which is great. Yeah. One of, one of our new customers that signed in, in March with us, um, it's a pretty big nonprofit. And uh, I loved what he said to us. He was like, you know, you guys have been calling my organization for the past two years. And we've continued to say no. And, and really like the, the pitch was like peer to peer, like, you know, this organization wasn't doing peer to peer fundraising. They had a lot of, they had like the perfect sort of like programs to, to use peer to peer fundraising. Um, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't get the executive team on board with it. Mm. And uh, once COVID happened, they all, all of a sudden got buy-in from their executives. Mm. And uh, this individual who was kind of like the decision maker and uh, real, the real champion of wanting to do this, you know, from, from the, from day one, mm. uh, had the opportunity said, you know, it's like, we should have, like, we shouldn't be reacting to COVID-19, right. As we should have been prepared because we, mm, you've been, mm -hmm. you've been knocking our doors for like two years now. <laughs> right. And I like that, that, I mean, and that's true. And it kind of like to bring that, you know, full circle is post COVID-19, a lot of organizations will hopefully have learned a lot of new relevant fundraising tactics that can continue on afterwards, which means hopefully they're growing their organization and they're adding new revenue that, they otherwise wouldn't have had uh, pre COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. No big time. Um, you, you mentioned kind of like the going virtual with, with events. And that's obviously something that a lot of organizations are trying to figure out uh, and something that I've seen some stuff for you. Like, what are some like things that people can do or look for when they're considering, like, should they cancel their event? Should they make it virtual? Or, you know, have you seen any like tips or ideas or anything for people that are in that position? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few different ways um, to take an event virtual. Um, and you know, in, to some degree, like a well-produced virtual event, isn't any easier than a well-produced <laughs> right. physical event. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I think that's like one of the misperceptions about, about events. And so the, the, the kind of things that we, that we saw, um, our customers adapt to that were kind of like low stake, um, not a lot of like investment or things like live streaming, mm. um, you know, and, and it wasn't even like the organization itself live streaming, but really tapping into um, uh, influencers on live stream platforms who maybe knew that they had individuals that were supporting kind of from the side, just got mm. more proactive and asked, hey, can you run a, a live stream fundraiser for us? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, those are great things to be doing kind of year round. Right. Uh, we also saw organizations um, just kind of take a more proactive approach of like, instead of an event, like, let's just let's just host um, very personal uh, Zoom call meetings, hmm. uh, town halls with our like the major stakeholders of our organization, right? Hmm. The a lot of organizations, you know, are unfortunately 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their donors. And so right. they pull these 20 donors together and and really just kind of outlay the rest of the year. These are the, mm. this is our scenario planning. This is what, this is, these are the thing, the decisions we're going to have to make if, if we lose 25% of our revenue, 50% of our revenue, a hundred percent of our revenue. Right. Mm. 
um, and bringing stakeholders into that conversation early, we've seen to be a huge success, success for organizations. Um, some people have, have jumped in and said, hey, like, well, what, what new things can we fund to get mm. you guys started in, in new sort of digital you know, fundraising channels? Yeah. Um, and then cool. we've, you know, we've also seen uh, people just turn their like 5Ks, you know, their endurance sort of events virtual, trying to make that still as, as like social as possible, as mm-hmm. possible and walking up and down your stairs or walking in neighborhoods and so forth. But the, the ones that we've seen to be the absolute most successful have been organizations that have basically turned their event into a, a peer-to-peer socially integrated campaign. Mm. Um, and so this is, this is something that Fundraise you know, offers where you can create a beautiful you know, peer-to-peer sort of community and campaign and tie that into uh, Facebook or Twitch and other social channels and really leverage, basically like go to where your donors are already at and playing. And that's mm-hmm. where we've seen the most success in terms yeah. of like dollars raised and, and engaged and so forth. Yeah, no, that's cool. We had um, <clears throat> Michael Wasserman, CEO of Tiltify on a few weeks ago on the podcast. And same thing is interesting, you know, like they're, they've been obviously building technology and talking about this for a long time. And so to see a lot of the people that have maybe been doing this or maybe thinking about it also taking, you know, advantage of the scenario or situation that we're in. So it's cool to see these different things. Um, well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing so much about, you know, what you're seeing and examples of success. I got some rapid fire questions for you to end, but before then, uh, I just want to highlight quick, cause I don't think enough people maybe know about the global trends survey. So you guys are a lead sponsor on the survey with nonprofit tech for good. Can you just share a little bit more about like what that is and what it looks like and maybe where they can find it? Yeah. So, um, you can find it uh, on our website, um, fundraise.org, uh, and you can just search for like global trends, uh, survey. Um, but basically what, what it is, is it's surveying, uh, donors from around the world, um, to better understand their giving experience and what are like the channels that they prefer, um, to, to give through and what, what has their interaction been with nonprofit, you know, um, whether it's digital or just overall appeal, sort of like, what is it like to be on the other end of the ask? Mm. Um, and so we're, we we're sponsoring that survey and it's, it's, you know, thousands of people from around the world. Um, the last time I checked, it was like over 50 countries. Um, so just, it's just a, a, a way and opportunity and it's going to be available in the fall for download for nonprofit organizations just to better understand how to build um, around sort of these user experiences. Um, so that's, that's what it is. Uh, we were, we were a part of, um, another sort of survey last year with, with nonprofit tech for good, which was more focused on nonprofit organizations and their, their use of technology. Mm. And over 10,000 nonprofits uh, took the survey to talk about the different, you know, their technology stack and what they're using, what they're leveraging and Mm. what they, you know, should be using and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to kind of see responses from, from around the world and what people uh, expect um, to to be able to do uh, as the, as it relates to giving to their nonprofit. Yeah, cool. Well, we obviously like research, so we want to highlight other <laughs> research that's out there. So, thanks for taking some time. Let's end with uh, some rapid fire questions here. All right. So, what's uh, what's a tool, resource, website, something like that that you found incredibly useful? You know, lately, this year, this week, something that you uh, you use a lot. Uh, I mean, so this is, it's more on the, on the website side, um, but LinkedIn, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> what like is this? So I haven't obvious. heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of it. Um, honestly, it's, it's, so I've gotten way more involved in LinkedIn in the last, like, I don't know, four months. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it took me so long uh, to get involved. Once I get involved, like I post every day, 
um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've sat down and have thought through like my content strategy. I, you know, analyze what, where, like, what are some gaps with where things, you know, like where are some of the holes that hopefully I can help offer some feedback and, and provide some hopeful, helpful content. Mm. Um, and I've just been shocked by the, the sort of like engagement and reaction that mm-hmm. I've received in such a short period of time. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, that's, that's something, uh, it's, it's been really useful for our business. It's been really useful to connect with other nonprofit leaders, to learn uh, from other individuals and just to be more connected to, to the industry at, at large. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I second that. And even that's partly why you're on this podcast is <laughs> LinkedIn and some messages like, dang, man, let's get you on this podcast. Uh, so that's cool. LinkedIn, check it out. Uh, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth all the uh, way. Atta boy, atta boy. Amen. Uh, what's one person people listening should follow? Oh, um, so, all right. Or, so or I mean, a couple, just name one yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Okay. So, and it's going to go back to, it's, it's going to go back to LinkedIn, but, uh, a guy named Chris Walker on LinkedIn, hmm. uh, actually I started following him on LinkedIn a while ago. And then we actually hired him to help us with our own marketing. Hmm. Um, he's not a nonprofit guru. He's an, a marketing guru hmm. and very non-traditional and challenges sort of like the, the status quo of what marketing is supposed to do and serve. Um, and, and just, just puts out incredible content. So, uh, Chris Walker, I would say, is is a good person to to follow. Whether whether you run a for profit or nonprofit, it's it's highly relevant. Writing that one down, cool. Okay, so this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. It's a little complicated, but we'll get there. Okay, you can choose one actor or actress, and you can watch anything they've ever been in for the rest of your life. But that's the only thing you can ever watch for the rest of your life. Who do you choose? Okay, so this is this is this is hard because. Um, I personally love Leonardo DiCaprio, okay. right? but he's really only in movies. So like, there's like, if it's the rest of my life, there's only, I mean, he's been in a lot of movies, but you know, they're also kind of like, like heavy, deep movies. They're not like overly a, rewatchable. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so I would, I think I'd have to go with Steve Carell, right? I mean, you could watch friends oh. for the rest of your life very easily. Uh, Anchorman, um, you know, 40 year old virgin. There's, there's all these just great epic movies you could watch yeah. on repeat. Um, the o- and the of office course, alone. The office yeah. alone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think answer. that's, I think that's, uh, that's who I'd have to choose. Okay. That's a really good answer. I haven't heard anyone actually use that one, but that's really good. Also uh, <laughs> crazy stupid love is like my go-to airplane movie for whatever uh, yeah. reason. I end up watching like the first half on airplanes all the time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, last one. You've, you've highlighted a bunch of charities and I don't want to put you in a super awkward position because <laughs> of the organizations that you work with and support, but what's like one of your kind of favorite charities doing great work that you support or have seen? Uh, Innocence Project. So, so good. They're, they're amazing. Um, and I'm very proud to say that, you know, they're, uh, they became a, a client of ours this, this year. Um, it's an organization I've been following for a very long time. And I think that they are doing some of the most important work today uh, that needs to be done. And, you know, like, I feel like it's, it's really hard to find organizations that do incredible work, have an incredible brand, and are incredible fundraisers. Hmm. And this organization just does all those things so eloquently um, and makes you feel a part of the community, a part of their work. Uh, so yeah, Innocence Project is definitely one of the, one of the top charities uh, for me right now in, in regards to those aspects. Yeah, great answer. We include them, we've included them in a bunch of our past studies. And A, they score highly based on our methodology, but two, 
it's one of the ones that, you know, is on our Slack channel of like charities we'd love to work with or charities we like to follow because they do some great work. Some of it's so simple, eloquent, I think is the word used, which is a great way to summarize what they do. So if you're looking for, you know, organizations to pick up ideas from, that's definitely a good one. And their email, I don't know if you guys are looking at their emails with your guys' email research, but I think, I mean, I'm, 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 I have some, I follow so many nonprofits emails and their email literally is, I think the only email that makes me want to donate every time I read it. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they've got, they've got a, um, a, a docu-series coming out on Netflix oh, cool. this month or in, in May. Um, so they're just, yeah, it's, 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 they've done a really good job at yeah. um, telling their story and, and making strong impact. Cool. Good answer. Well, I've taken up more than enough of your time. You're very busy. I appreciate you uh, taking time to chat with us. What's, what's coming up next for you and your team? Uh, where can people learn more about you and your work? Um, in terms of what's coming up for us, you know, uh, on, on the product side, we're really excited about is we have like a subset of customers that have built beautiful campaigns, beautiful giving forms, and they perform. And it's not because they have more supporters and, you know, more donors. It's just, they've done an exceptional job at like putting together their online experience. And so our product team has taken sort of of like that as like, this is the new template. This is the new starting point. You can build on top of this, but whether or not you're a developer, an engineer or technical, you should be able to build something beautiful and put it on the internet. Mm. Um, so Q2, that has been our focus. And we've, we're, re- we're releasing a lot of new product around the ability for anyone to put something beautiful on the internet um, that, that really puts the kind of the donor first in, in that regard. So that's something we're, cool. we're really excited about. Um, I forgot what the second question was. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, uh, you go to fundraise.org. There's no D, it's fundraise. Um, and yeah, you can, you can find us there. And you can find uh, Justin on LinkedIn, his favorite You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I also always give out my, my cell phone number as well. Uh, so you can also text me <laughs> 562-242-8160. And it's been awesome. I've actually been doing this now for like a couple months, inspired by Gary Vee. And the amount of like amazing conversations I've gotten into mm. over text with just random people that will text out of the blue has been awesome. Yeah. Um, so please text me if you have any questions about nonprofit stuff. There you go. That's great. Well, thanks Justin for uh, taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hi again, this is Brady, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to listen to all future episodes or maybe go back and listen to some of our past episodes, you can do so by going to generosityfreakshow.com, or you can search The Generosity Freak Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you listen to your pods. And uh, if you have any questions or a suggested guest, or maybe you yourself would like to come on the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at podcast at nextafter.com. That's podcast at nextafter.com. And if you want to find out more about this vision to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world and what we're doing at Next After in terms of research, resources, and training, you can find out more at nextafter.com. That's nextafter.com. Thank you very much for listening. And finally, I have to say thank you to Nathan Hill, our producer and mixologist. This would not be possible without him. So thank you, Nathan. And thank you once again for listening.